listening to The Worried Writer, helping you to overcome fear, self-doubt and procrastination to get the work done. I'm your host, Sarah Painter, and I'm a novelist and self-confessed worried writer. For show notes, resources and much more, please head to worriedwriter.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 27 of The Worried Writer. I'm recording this on the 1st of May, 2017, and I'm absolutely exhausted, so I do hope you will bear with me if I make lots of daft mistakes in this intro. My guest today is Tracy Buchanan, the author of the number one bestseller, My Sister's Secret. We talk about the pressure of writing under contract, plotting using an Excel spreadsheet, Tracy's writing routine, and the opportunities for authors in this new publishing landscape. On to a wee personal update first, and the reasons that I'm so knackered. I'm tired for happy-making reasons, thankfully enough. After a brilliant family holiday down south, I've spent the last three weeks launching my non-fiction book, Stop Worrying, Start Writing. And I've also been doing some major edits on my latest novel, which has got the working title Beneath the Water. Last episode, I talked about how nervous I was putting my first non-fiction book out into the world. And I am thrilled to report that it has been well received. Phew! It reached number one in the creativity chart and number three in authorship and was listed as a hot new release. So that was nice. Most importantly though, and something that's just been amazingly gratifying, has been the lovely reviews and comments and just general response. If you've bought or recommended the book or been in touch, thank you so much. Here's a quick extract from one of the Amazon reviews. I do hope you'll forgive me for sharing it, but I'm just so happy that this book has struck a chord. The best book on writing and productivity I've read in years. Sarah tackles the fear we all feel when it comes to our writing in such an honest way that I was left feeling like here was someone who really understood. This book was refreshing because it deals with the things that most writers truly face. And more than that, it really offers actionable steps to help see you through to the other side. Okay, I could spend the rest of this episode blowing my own trumpet and reading the wonderful tweets and Facebook messages that I had during publication week, but I won't subject you all to that. I just hope that you can hear how bowled over, delighted, and truly grateful I am for each and every one. Okay, I just want to give a quick shout out to some lovely folk on Twitter. Thank you to Julie Cohen. Kate Simpson, who is at K Simpson Books, Ray Cowie, who is at Ray underscore Cowie, and who was kind enough to recommend The Worried Writer in her blog post, Five Fantastic Podcasts for Writers. Thank you, Ray. Cara Mahoney, who's at Kaz Mahoney, Ida, who's at Ida Olson, and Rennie Sears, who's at Rennie Sears. I do have a couple of wonderful listener questions, but I'm afraid I'm going to leave them to next month, as I think I will simply waffle and waffle and waffle if I attempt to answer them now. If you've got a question that you'd like answered on the show, email me, sarah at worriedwriter.com. Or if you have a suggestion to improve the podcast, or just want to say hello, I would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening, subscribing, rating, and spreading the word about the show. I know you have plenty of choice for audio entertainment, and it means a great deal that you are here. And now, onto the interview section of the show.
Tracy Buchanan is the author of The Atlas of Us, No Turning Back, and the number one bestseller, My Sister's Secret, all with Avon HarperCollins. My Sister's Secret was one of the top 10 best-selling books of 2015 and has been published in the US, Denmark, Italy, Hungary and Germany. And My Weekly called it both heartbreaking and uplifting. Welcome to the show, Tracy, and thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Sarah. It's great to talk to you. Could you break the ice with the audience by just telling us all a wee bit about your latest release? Yes, so I've got um, Her Last Breath, which is coming out in June. Um, HarperCollins are describing it as a beach noir, so that's the kind of niche they're putting me in at the moment. Um, And it tells the story of a successful lifestyle blogger called Estelle, who starts receiving pictures of a teenage girl who's gone missing. As far as Estelle knows, the missing girl has nothing to do with her. Or does she? (laughs) Um, So Estelle returns to her coastal hometown to find out more uncovering lots of secrets from her shameful past in the process. So, yeah, that'll be out at the end of June. Oh, that sounds fabby. And I know this is a horrible question to ask, but um, is it an idea that you've had for a long time or where did the idea come from? Um, so I basically I was find last year I was finding it quite interesting about landslides and uh-huh. where so um, houses that fall into the sea this sounds, this sounds really horrible <laughs> I really enjoy watching houses fall into the sea but um yeah I, I saw I saw an article um some somewhere about it and I thought god and you know the book that there's an element of that in there so it's a town that's really beautiful and glossy but it's basically falling apart as, ah. as, as well so I thought that's really interesting you know the concept of of what, what impact does that have, especially on these really stunning, um, beautiful sort of seaside towns? What impact does that have on the community? And, you know, how does it time its course? So that, that's where, where the idea sort of came from. And I've also seen lots of stuff about clean eating and lots of bloggers and these lifestyle bloggers are making, you know, massive book deals and things like that. So I just thought it'd be really interesting to explore what, what that does, you know, what, what that, those sorts of people are like and why, why they turn to this sort of clean eating fad so yeah that's what it's- I love it when some ideas just sort of collide in your mind and you get that that click and you think oh yeah that's yeah, that's it and, and it always helps when you're contractually obliged to write a second book as well you're like oh okay I really need to have an idea really soon and start writing this but um yeah and it, it, you know it does help because HarperCollins have put me in this kind of beach noir area and it really focuses on the mind it's you know it's these these novels that are set something you know usually in these beautiful seaside town but there's something rotting beneath the core and it's kind mm-hmm. of I, I know that's the area and direction I'm going in and lots of family secrets and it, they, the ideas come to me quite easily and quickly actually it's just the rest of it that <laughs> takes a bit longer and when you're looking for when you are thinking about ideas in that way um you're saying they, they come to you quite easily but do you uh, do you brainstorm at all? Do you free write or do you just read lots of things and see what what sticks? I, yeah, so what I tend to do is I, I'll send a blurb to my agent and she's great. She, she gives me, she's very honest and I love that about her. She, she'll just, you know, give me her opinion on it. And then because the past couple of years I've been contractually, you know, in the contract with HarperCollins, so they then ask for a synopsis mm-hmm. so I hate synopsis but I've learned how to love them um about you know five pages or so um overview of how how the novel's going to go so in that I kind of brainstorm it by writing the synopsis actually now um, okay. I just write it all down like like I'm telling a story to my little girl or something but a lot less drama um and that's how I tend to do it um in the past I would just be very dreamy and just stop writing it and 
you know, let, let it lead me to wherever I wanted it to go. But I have to be a lot more disciplined now. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And um, if we could go back to the beginning for a moment, um, did you always want to be a writer? Yes, <laughs> I, I, I think everyone says this. Um, but yeah, I did always want to be a writer. Um, I used to keep scrapbooks um, and I used to cut my mum's Littlewood catalogues up and I used to stick pictures of characters in the scrapbooks and come up with little ideas around the characters wow um, and I just sit in my room that's what I used to do listening to music um and I also um I, I think the first sort of book I little book I wrote was a vampire short sort of almost like a novella about a girl a teenage girl who keeps vampires in her basement and I kind of wish I'd gone on with that I published it because I could have been the next Stephanie Meyer but yeah it's always been a passion of mine and all my family and friends always knew that that's I wanted to write for a living so it's wonderful to to be doing that oh it's lovely congratulations (laughs) and um what was your journey to publication like it it was an interesting long and winding journey actually and like again most of us are my a lot of people are surprised when they hear this, but my first novel was actually um, a, a paranormal romance, a teen paranormal romance. Um, I think I'd, that judged me, but I really enjoyed Twilight. I do all sorts of No, stuff. I did as well. <laughs> yeah, I've always said, I think it's almost like it had crack laced in between the pages. It drew me in, like addictive. Mm-hmm. And when I look back, I just think some of the things are pretty terrible about it, but there were some wonderful things. She just had this wonderful skill to draw, draw people in. But I think it really inspired me. So I wrote this paranormal paranormal romance about a shapeshifter um and I wrote it really quickly revised it and so on and sent it off to agents and actually I got an agent really quickly which is a fantastic first experience um and obviously when you get an agent quickly you think that's it well you know I'm gonna get a six-figure deal I'm gonna get published all over the world it's gonna be great didn't happen like that um I was I was sort of waiting for the phone call and I did get a phone call but it was to tell me that I'd got a German deal Okay. At the time, I was confused and a little bit disappointed, I guess. But looking back, it was fantastic. It's my debut novel, and I got a deal in Germany. Um, but yeah, I was expecting a kind of call about Penguin or <laughs> Collins, you know, <laughs> this six-figure deal. But yeah, so it was a conf- confusing, but it was, you know, really great actually in the end because I got published over in Germany. Um, such a passionate market over there. Um, I got, you know, it really boosted my confidence. I got lovely um, emails from readers and so on. Um, so yeah, it was just a really unusual wow. way to start my publishing journey. Um, and then after that, I started writing more adult books. But my agent, I think she was very keen to keep me on the teen path. But I just, I just wanted to write adult books, and we we parted ways. So because we just weren't singing off the same hymn sheet, and she she was lovely, lovely agent, you know, really lovely. But we just weren't mm-hmm. um, sort of on compatible at that stage. So I thought, again, I'll get an agent really quickly because I got an agent really quickly the first time. It's going to be so, so wonderful and easy. No, obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> so I subbed out an adult ghost story, which is probably a, quite a tricky kind of genre anyway. I didn't really understand that at the time. And nobody was kind of asking for a full. So I, I think I got one request for a full, um, full manuscript to be sent over. But I just wasn't getting the response that I'd been used to with, with my mm-hmm. first book. And I thought, no, no, I will get an agent. It will happen. Kept trying, kept trying. In the end, I think I queried about 75-ish agents um, here and in the US and no bites. And that really sort of destroyed my confidence mm-hmm. in a way. And lots of other stuff was going on in my personal life. I was struggling to have a baby. So the two together, it was just failure, heaped upon failure. 
Um, and I just thought, no, I don't want this anymore. I don't. I can't take this this failure on at me coming at me and all sides. Oh. You know, and I think a lot of people understand. A lot of people have been through that, and you you can fight. But I just gave up. Um, and I thought, I'm not, I'm not going to try this. I'm just going to get on with my life. Don't worry mm-hmm. about babies. Don't worry about books. Um, but then I went up to this gorgeous on this gorgeous holiday with my husband just to get away from it all in Exmoor. And I recommend any writers go to Exmoor. It's so inspiring in the UK. Um, and I just came up with an idea for a novel. I, it, I, I just it just came to me as I was walking down the path to a pub. I saw a gorgeous farmer with his dog. <laughs> my husband doesn't like me saying this. Um, and <laughs> the idea for the Atlas of Lost came to me. And it would not leave me alone. And I was like, no, I don't want to write. I don't want to find a I've given up. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. You know, it doesn't happen. So I, I made a deal. With I was like, okay, I'm going to write it for me. I, I, I'm just going to write it for me to enjoy like a little hobby. And I'm not going to try and get it published. And I wrote it in a complete fever. Um, back then I did write organically. So I wrote, I didn't structure things. I kind of kind of had an idea where the end, what the end might be. But I just wrote and wrote and it was a really cathartic wonderful experience um and it helped me with all the infertility stuff I was going through and then a couple of friends wanted to read it and then they were like oh my god this is really good you should you should you know send it to agents I'm like no no not gonna happen um but I think one morning I just woke up and said I'm gonna fight I am one last mm. time gonna write this book and I'm gonna fight for a baby and I just thought I'm gonna throw everything at it so I made an appointment at fertility clinic in London at the same time I started like subbing like getting the book together, ready, ready to send it out to agents. And I sent it to agents and got a really brilliant response very quickly from lots of different agents. Um, so this, after being rejected <laughs> 75 plus times, and then then get you know getting a really nice response and having phone calls of agents. And in the end, I went to meet uh, my agent, Caroline Hardman, of Hardman Swainson. And we just clicked because she's very blunt and very honest. And I like that. I, I want people, my agents, tell me like it is. I don't want her to sugarcoat it. Mm-hmm. And we just had a very similar outlook on where the where the novel should go. Um, and we did lots of revisions on that, so it didn't end. Um, but I was much more realistic now. I'd, I'd learned, I'd been wounded, I'd been hurt, and I'd learned patience, work hard, don't expect a six-figure, huge, massive, you know, d- deal and everyone going crazy for it. Just just take it slowly. Mm-hmm. Just, just chill out. So I really enjoyed revising it, um, and that was sent out to publishers and publish uh, an editor at HarperCollins at Avon. Loved it, and I got offered a book deal. So um, and that actually happened just after I had my little girl. So I did. Oh wow! Oh my goodness! After a horrible few years, some wonderful stuff happened. So I actually heard about the book deal when I I think she was six or eight weeks. Oh my goodness! Um, I got an email from my agent, um, and. I couldn't deal with it because my little girl had had an accident in her nappy. Um, so I had to deal with that, put her to sleep. And then I ran out into the garden and screamed um, in excitement and happiness. So as not to wake my little girl up. So oh, that's it was wonderful. Yeah. That is love. What a brilliant story. And I also really love the fact that um, it's very inspiring, but it's something that you said there about um, not having much of a res- well having an amazing response with your first book and then not having such a great response from agents with your set with the second time you were on that submission and then having a great response and I think for anybody listening who's going through submission hell um I just want to remind everybody that this just 
is another demonstration that when an agent or an editor rejects a project, they are not rejecting you. They're rejecting that project is not for them at that time. And it doesn't mean anything about you as a writer or about your long-term career or anything. So anyway, I just wanted to say that that's really, you know, hopefully useful for people to hear. Yeah, I completely agree. I think you can get to the point of giving up. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's healthy. It's just taking a break. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you're not expecting, say you get lots of rejection, I'm not, we're not expecting people to suddenly go, right, I'm going to get back on it. No, go to Exmoor yeah. or go to your version of Exmoor. Just chill out, even take a year out. But, you know, I always advocate, come back fighting, you know, really throw everything you can at it. I forgot to mention, I did actually use an editorial service as well for us to make it, you know, you can get manuscript critiques and pay for them. I used some of my German advance that I'd saved to do that because I thought I want to throw everything at this now that I've decided to fight so you know I really came back fighting and it, it worked out and was um, was that really useful do you think the yeah the critique mm-hmm. um, it was really useful I I think that some people use them and they they should they don't need you know they shouldn't use them but I think for me it was number one it was good for my confidence because it it was very complimentary but it yeah it actually was about confidence so mm-hmm. I've been wounded I've been hurt I wanted validation and even though I was paying for the service they still had to be honest you know and there were some parts in the report but it just gave me that confidence right I've done what I can I've got this critiqued and I can now send it to an agent knowing that I've tried my absolute best and if I still fine it is over uh-huh uh-huh and also you yeah. learn such a lot going through the editorial process with with either yeah. with an edit with any sort of editor don't you of, of any decent editor I should say um and I think I was going to say it's quite unusual to get your first well it is very unusual to get your first book published um you know it's more usual that people write you know something like the average is something like seven novels before um and I know that mine was the fourth book that I'd yeah, written no. that got a deal so in some ways it was that kind of you did the learning curve but you'd already had that early success yeah That's and that well, the thing is it got published in Germany I think it was a great time it was like the zeitgeist it was the twilight excitement and people wanted more well it got a few close calls in the UK but Germany eventually went for it but the sales weren't amazing mm-hmm. so I, I um, you it you know it happened but then the sales weren't great for that book so mm-hmm. That that com was another thing that piled on top of the rejection. So even though I had, and in a way, it bit bit me in the bum because mm. I I um I had that initial confidence and excitement of getting an agent really quickly, uh-huh. and in the end, getting the German deal. But then I I you then start dreaming of big things. Of course, and when, uh-huh. you know, put you fall, you know, even harder sometimes. No, well, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's really inspiring. Um, and if we can go to the the day to day now. I wanted to ask you whether you um, you said that the Atlas of, of Us just came to you, that idea just came to you. Had you been thinking beforehand about what sort of genre you wanted to write in? Um, yeah, so actually, funnily enough, I was, you know, I'd been writing the young adult and I love young adult. I love, you know, I like writing it, but I knew that the sort of adult was more where I was going. But I, was, I think out of my frustration at not getting a deal in the UK, I started thinking, right, how can I be successful? Um, and I was looking at, um, I was looking at sort of the, I hate this phrase, woman's fiction, but the, the more lighter, um, hu- full of humour comedy fiction, which I really enjoy reading as well. Um, I thought, you know, what, I'm going to give that a go because that seems to be doing really well. It was quite a cynical move and I couldn't write it. 
because it's really hard um, <laughs> and it wasn't my natural way of writing I write in quite a dark dramatic emotional way so and actually there's a lot of drama and emotion in those books as well but it just didn't suit me and with the Atlas of Us I hadn't I hadn't necessarily thought that that was the genre I just said to myself I'm going to write naturally I'm just going to write on paper I'm not going to try and write in a particular way and it, I think it just so happened that that's when my voice came out it's that kind of it is the it's the book club fiction kind of feel like straddling literary and commercial um and I kind of learned in the writing process but I had had intention in the past of trying to shoehorn myself into particular genres uh-huh. yeah with the Atlas of Us it was just a natural writing process and that came out and um what advice I mean I'm, I'm assuming that is some advice that you would give to a beginning writer is to is to just really trust their own voice and write what comes naturally but do you have any other advice for uh, beginning authors beginning writers I think um I think it's a lot of my advice gets contradicted nowadays I always sort of said don't try not to write to trends but you see all these self-publishing successes where they they are being very clever and astute about what they're writing to and they are looking at trends and they're thinking right I'm going to write with this trend and they're doing really well but but with self-publishing it happens a lot quicker well, uh-huh. traditional publishing it can take you a couple of years and by then the trend's gone. That's true. Um, mm. I think for me, when I was starting out, I, I really think the most important thing is to write what you love and write a novel that you want to read. That, that I think with The Atlas of Us as well, I was looking for a kind of romance that had some substance and, and a bit of tragedy in it and so on. So I wrote the novel I wanted to read because if you're forcing yourself to write a certain way, then you won't enjoy it. And I think if you start off your career by writing a novel you don't enjoy then that's really sad because actually when you become contractually obliged to write novels it's wonderful and how lucky we are but it becomes a bit more like a job so start that initial novel with complete passion and enjoyment and first drafts can be rubbish just write and enjoy it and you know write whatever you want don't second guess yourself that's the advice I'd always give people that's wonderful advice thank you and um did you have a support um sort of system because I think in the early days it I mean, I think all the way through, having support is really important. But um, did you join a writing group or anything like that? Um, so my friend, um, Liz, she's actually published in the US as Elizabeth Richards. Um, uh-huh. A few years ago, she published the Black City series. Um, she's she's a really good friend. We, we actually met through work. So I used to be a, journal, a travel journalist, travel editor. So obviously, when you work in a place like that, writers converge and, you know, you get to naturally meet other writers. And we just really clicked. We actually clicked over a love for Smallville. Do you ever, ever <laughs> watch Smallville? It's just this US drama about Superman when he was a teenager. It's great. But anyway, we clicked over that. But we started talking a lot about writing. And um, we we sort of go out. That really, she was a fantastic help. And you don't need to have a massive group of people just finding one like-minded person to bounce ideas off. Um, but I'm really into online stuff as well. So I used to, I don't look at it as much now, but Absolute Right, which is a really good forum. Um, I used to go on those um, and Facebook groups and so on. Um, but I don't really, I'm not part of a writer's group. Um, but also podcasts like your podcast, I just find, even though you're not interacting necessarily, you're not, I do talk to people when they're talking, but that sounds a bit bad because I can't talk back. But listening to other writers and hearing what they're going through really feels like a support network it really helps as well because you don't 
feel like such an alien and so weird when you go through all these weird insecurities so yeah that that's what I find really supports me and helps me oh that's brilliant and I love hearing about fellow authors routines and processes I'm always trying to get more productive and um, I would love it if you could talk us through um, a typical writing day if you have such a thing or your weekly routine yeah, I do. I do have a typical writing day, kind kind of. But um, so I work. I write full time now, which is wonderful. I, I um, write four days a week. So I tend to start work at about ten o'clock because there's always things to tidy, little girl to drop off, puppies to grab, um, <laughs> and I tend to finish at five. And I I know a lot of people tend to write in the morning and then do their admin in the afternoon. But I need to get the admin out of the way. I need to get the boring stuff out of the way. So. In the morning, I'll do replying to emails. It kind of eases me in. Reply to emails, go on Facebook, Twitter, etc. Um, prep for for in, you know various things. Um, talk to my agent, sign contracts, that sort of thing. Look at money and so on. Then when that's done, that usually takes a couple of hours, I guess. Um, then I just start writing. Um, and I don't really have a daily word count. My my aim is write as much as you can, <laughs> as quickly as you can. So I just sit down and write, um, lots of, make lots of tea, um, and I stop at lunchtime and will watch like, a film or Walking Dead or something, um, and I just continue writing throughout the day. But I do do little things to help me with that as well. I'll go, I'll go out for a walk. So I'll walk the dog, um, and I find that I try and time that for when I've got a block, so if I'm really struggling with a scene, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go out for a walk. Uh-huh. So I really find walking really helps me unblock, you know, various plot issues and so on. Or if I get to the point in the novel, I'm like, what happens now? I don't really know. I, even though I've written it down in the synopsis, you know, it's just the little details and I'll go out and walk. And then what I'm really trying to do more of, but I'm not successful at, and I bet you're probably the same as well, Sarah, that I'm trying to do things like go to the cinema. So and see that as work so or go to a museum or try and get inspiration but I'm being really rubbish at that but I have to do that so that's what I'm trying to do at the moment oh that's a good Um, idea it was definitely on my list last year and I completely failed so this year I'm hoping to be a wee bit better and leave the house occasionally (laughs) yeah exactly so yeah that's I I really now that I'm talking to you it's making me even more want to do it so I'm going to do it but yeah it's quite and really my aim my I get frustrated with the admin and I love stuff like this. I love interviews and things like that. I really enjoy that. But um, the, the nitty gritty of, you know, admin stuff mm-hmm. and all I want to do is write. And I'm constantly thinking, when am I going to be able to write? And I get frustrated. And when it gets to, I love my little girl. I love seeing her, but it gets to five o'clock. I have to go and pick her up the preschool. I have to drag, you know, like I need to stop writing. and I need to stop. Um, because that is why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's the, mm-hmm. the fingers on the pad, you know, just writing, writing, writing. So yeah, that is always my aim, is, is to write. So you're really enjoying um, writing full-time, I can tell. <laughs> and so I assume that your writing kind of routine has changed since going full-time. Yeah. Um, how, was it, how was it before? Because a lot of people um, are trying to fit writing in around the edges of the day. Yeah, so it was really hard, but I loved it as well. So um, I choose now to write in the evenings, you know, if, if, if my husband's not on a shift or something or I'm not, nothing interesting to watch. But I'll, I used to just come home, um, sort my little... So, obviously, I've got, when I had a little girl, that's when I got my contract. So, I was on maternity leave, so it wasn't too bad. But, yeah, I used to get home from work. So, I used to work four days a week, get home from work, sort my little girl out. My husband's fantastic. He, We know we're obviously both parents, so we help each other out. But he works shifts, so it can mm-hmm. be quite different sometimes. But once my little girl would be 
in bed usually so I had a really really good routine and still now in bed by seven quickly eat or sometimes I would eat with her and I would just get the laptop out and write and write till 11 o'clock at night um maybe later sometimes which sounds really late for me because I might get woken up at six the next morning uh-huh, uh-huh. then weekends I would get and I resented this when I first had my little girl but I had to write to contract I had a contract to fulfill so say one day of the weekend my husband would take the little girl out for the day or my her grandparents and it was really hard but it, I saw it as the pain that I had to go through in order to do what I'm doing now which is work full-time mm-hmm. um and I kept reminding myself of that when I was exhausted. And, I was, and you know what it's like when you're doing revisions? You can't, I don't know about you. Do you struggle to sleep a little bit? And, yes. <laughs> uh, about insomnia and stuff. So I, I just, as I was walking around like a zombie, I just kept reminding myself, this will all be better. This mm. soon will end. Um, and as I got, uh, you know, money and royalties, and that, I was able to reduce my hours gradually, gradually, until you know, I was able to go full-time writing. But it was hard work. But I just say to people, I think... I, I gave a friend some advice the other day saying that I recommend six months of crazy intense doing this, but I don't think you're, you can cope with it for more than that necessarily. Mm. But just thinking about the end goal and giving yourself, you will have a break. And when I went full time, I did, give, I reeled it back a little bit. I, I did, I did write a lot, but I, I allowed myself to meet friends for long lunches just to give myself the break because that's what I told myself I would do. Uh that's important isn't it Uh and these days do you try to avoid writing um or working on a weekend yes i i've I've got yeah because i I can't i feel like i can't justify i i love writing and i love my family (laughs) but you know i love the idea of writing as well so yeah i i'm i i ensure that i don't write but i'm i do reply to emails Mm -hmm. i do think ideas i put stuff in my notes but weekends I and Friday I'm off with my little girl and Friday Saturday, Sunday is is sacred family time and evenings I try to avoid it but you can do little things you know my little girl's sitting there eating her she's four she's eating, nearly four she's eating her dinner she's watching something on tv and she's not paying me attention whatsoever or she's playing with her doll's house she's not looking at me I can quickly look at my phone and reply to an email yes so I do some admin stuff while I'm with her um but yeah I try and avoid weekends now and it's nice that's good. It's very hard to stop, isn't it? It's very, yeah, and, and I think our brains are always, always going. <laughs> yeah, and I think I've always said if I was single and didn't have a child, I'd probably just write my life away because mm. I think you can write so much that you disappear into another world and you don't live your own life. So, and I could easily do that. And I, I make myself not do it because then if, it's wonderful writing, but all my readers get to benefit from it. But then I don't have a life. Yes, so, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's, yeah trying to keep that balance do you find what what really keeps you well you obviously you've just been saying how much you love writing so I think that's what keeps you motivated um but do you ever suffer from creative block and is there a particular part of the process when you're more likely to suffer with block or with self-doubt would it be first drafting or plotting or revising yeah um I think I quite enjoy the plotting um like the math math I never used to Mm. I, I used to crazy to plot a novel first but you get you when you're contractually obliged to write something and write it quickly you haven't really it's much better to plot first I think um but yeah so I find that kind of mathematical moving things around I, lo- I like it. I enjoy talking to my agent and you know I'll give my agent a call if there's any problems but it's the first drafts I love writing the first drafts but it's that 20,000 word kind of area I think a lot of people say it's around then 
then I'm like, this is awful. This is the worst thing I've ever written. This is terrible. <laughs> um, and I think that's when I do sometimes step away and watch a film. And I think <sighs> all kind of people are obsessed with reading, 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 reading. But I actually think all things that you can take in creative things. So watching films, watching TV, like I love Walking Dead and various other series because it just makes you step away from your book, but it then reignites your passion and inspiration and you might come up with another idea from watching this program mm-hmm. you've been watching. So yeah, I think that's the time when I when I get the self-doubt and start going into a hole of doom. Um, that's when I step away and go downstairs and put a film on. But yeah, the first drafts are, are tough. And I do think, and I've heard you talk about it before in previous podcasts, when you get those structural edits back from your editor, you're always like, oh, it'd be fine. It's, you know, yeah, I'll be able to cope with them. And it's like 20 pages <laughs> um, or whatever. But, and it's daunting because you, the version you thought you sent to your editor was the best you could make it. And then you get, and of course, your editors are wonderful. That's why they do this. And you get told that it wasn't the best version at all. It was great, but you know you need lots of work. So that that initial kind of like, okay, oh my gosh, this is going to be mm-hmm. so hard. That, that can be quite daunting, and you get a bit of self doubt then um, because you're like, I still need help. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know if you feel that sometimes. Absolutely, like, uh-huh. I do. Read, I do know of authors who don't. So they will send something to their editor, and their editor will give them like a couple of pages revisions, and that's lovely and lovely for them (laughs) my books are really well you know got deals but still I need this help and I just think I'm one of those authors I'm a collaborative author I need that editorial sort of input um and it's kind of back and forth and I've learned that about myself now um I don't know if I'll ever get to the stage where I won't need an editor I think I'll always need someone to bounce ideas off Mm. they can as well can make you think why aren't I like that author that could just send something get a tiny little few notes sent through and it's done (laughs) (laughs) but I think there's often for me anyway there's I think a large element is is fear because I think as you say I think I think well I did my best what if I can't fix it what if it's broken or what if I can't work out how to do it and then when I calm down and look through the notes and really get stuck in again it's usually been a few weeks well it's always been a few weeks since I last read it yeah. Or since I last, and that wee bit of distance, invariably, I go, oh yes, I thought I'd done that, but I can see that I haven't. Or yeah, I thought yeah. I'd put that in. Me too. Yeah, yeah we were talking. About, yeah, it's. I. I don't. I. I might say the draft of her last breath. I think when I sent it to my editor it was like sixty thousand words, and that's mm-hmm. not enough. You know, it has to be more. But I kind of I sent it thinking I don't know where else to pad. I, yeah, I'm a very light writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know people who aren't at all. Do you think it's from journalism? Because you were saying that you were a travel writer because I was a journalist and I wonder if I've always been very concise. I think it is actually, yeah, definitely. Because (laughs) you you had a page to fill and if you went over the word count, the designer would come back and, you know, that won't fit on the page. So, yeah, that's true, definitely. (laughs) And I think also I did did a lot of reading when I first started out on, like, agent blogs and so on in America. There's a lot of them in America and... um, a lot of the advice was keep it tight and I think I took it too far sometimes um but yeah you know it's it's frustrating because it's it's actually hard to add more stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I find it easier to take away oh yes uh uh-huh yeah yeah we're just giving ourselves a really hard task the way we are it's not fair I actually I really want to ask your advice because I would love to 
become a plotting, planning person because I completely agree with you. Under contract, it would be super helpful if I could develop that skill. And I, I, well, I cannot overstate how bad I am at it. I just can't do it. How did you move from being an organic writer? Did you have any tips for me? (laughs) So this is a really bizarre tip. Excel spreadsheets. Okay. So um, I hate Excel and everyone at work, my old job, used to laugh. If any, if I was told to look at Excel, everyone would, don't, don't put it near Tracy, she hates it. But actually for plotting, it's really useful. So, you know, the whole free act dark and all that, there's loads oh. of books about it, five act dark, all that sort of thing. Um, I think I went, I got a book and I can't remember which one it was and I just plotted it out. So I put kind of like act one, mid-turn point, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and so in one column, the next to it, I I plotted out what would happen in each scene mm-hmm. to, to fit with those various points. And something my first editor, Ellie Dryden, she's now with Bonnie, she, she gave me some really good advice. Always think about, so as the writer, you're looking at your perspective. Always think about the reader's perspective. I know this is, almost sounds like obvious advice, but it's kind of like, at which point, at what point in the novel, what, what do you want the reader to think about the character? Uh-huh. As you're going through, not it's not what you think as a writer. What do you want the reader to think about this character? And certainly, with no turning back, it's very much about how the pub. My, my last novel that was out last year, how the pub public perception changes, and therefore the reader's perception changes of the main character. So also in this spreadsheet, I put, I plotted um, the main character's progress. So uh, out of ten, how the public think about her. So in one scene, I'd put nine out of ten. They love her. Then later on, it'll be two out of ten. Ah. So it really gave me an anchor of how do I want the reader to feel about just useful if you're doing things like unreliable narrators and stuff mm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, it really gives you a, a real anchor. And I would recommend giving it a try. You know, <laughs> get get in the old Excel Excel out and get in a book. I think I've heard really good things about Into the Woods by. Ah. Which I'm, I'm going to start reading, but a book that gives you some real good ideas about three act darks or five act darks, and just plot in your novel against that, and try it. And it does seem to focus the mind and make it easier to plot. Um, okay. And then I refer back to that and tick things off. And I don't always stick to it, but mm. that, that's really now. What do you think? And uh, speaking of uh, books and so on, are there any other books or resources um, that you've found particularly helpful over the years? that you would recommend um, to others? So I'm just trying to think of the names of... I might have to send you some of their notes, but um, I find the internet really I find the internet really useful. Mm-hmm. So looking at agent blogs, uh-huh. um, editor blogs, writers' blogs, where they talk about their techniques, the way they approach things. Um, you, so you probably don't even have to write... So, actually, I shouldn't say this, but you should, didn't even have to buy a book. You can just look online because a lot of people would do an overview of, you know, lots of different advice that you find in books that you can get get on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would recommend doing that. Definitely looking at agent blogs. They're not there's not as many around actually because blogging isn't as in at the moment. But yeah, it, that's what I did, and it really helped me because mm-hmm. it helped. It just helped me with the newbie pitfalls. And if you're avoiding those to begin with, you know, you're not going to annoy an agent if you're looking to sub to an agent. Because you're you're not doing doing what they tell you not to, you know you haven't wasted wasted time. So I would definitely recommend looking at blogs and 
vlogs and lots of other things and mm. you know, podcasts, great, listen mm-hmm. to lots of podcasts as well, which you can do when you're – I listen to podcasts like your podcast when I'm doing the washing up, <laughs> uh, when I'm cleaning the house because um, I don't want to waste a moment. Um, so, you know, when I'm making my lunch, making my dinner, chopping up vegetables. So, yeah, I definitely get on onto the old podcast side of things because there's some really valuable advice in a lot of podcasts. Mm, I think that's great advice. And I'm I'm big on doing research on whatever I'm going to do. I like to find out all about it. So I think that's a really, really good idea, a really good tip. And um, something that can be surprisingly challenging although as we say I mean we're both we're both the same grinning at each other with our good fortune to be doing this full time and and it's what we you know what we both want to be doing and we're thrilled um but something that can be surprisingly challenging is dealing with the sort of business side of publishing and being an author um especially in balancing that with the creative side and I struggle as a control freak I struggle with the lack of control and I just wondered if there's anything that you find difficult about the sort of business of being a full-time writer? Yeah, I think it's, it is the admin side. Um, and it's ridiculous because you should be really, you guess, should be excited about signing a contract or something, you know, signing all the different pages. But but when you start getting like foreign deals and stuff, which are great, amazing. And actually it's the foreign deals that help you sometimes become a full-time author. So I don't always say they're really useful, but it's, it's 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 the stopping to writing to have to do this this admin mm-hmm. and I do find that frustrating. Um, but then I kind I kind of had that before anyway before I became a full time author. But I think you just have a different mindset because it's all they always say the busy always go to a busy person because they'll they'll get stuff done really quickly. But when you've got four four days to do it, I just leave it <laughs> leave it on a pile sometimes. And you know I I. I it's just trying to discipline yourself and motivate yourself to, to do the re- re- actually the really important stuff, the business and the admin side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's actually essential that you do that. And the marketing. I mean, I uh-huh. come from a social media marketing background and I, I like being on social media, but I, I almost want to do it naturally. I kind of resent sometimes feeling like I have to post, you know, every day. I want to do that. And I love interacting with readers. So that's really easy because mm-hmm. they kind of talk to me and I talk, it's like push. They talk to me and I talk back. Um, but it's yeah, it's kind of having to do things when when you're not in the mood to do it. I guess mm. that's that's the thing. And when you are a full time author and you want to continue being a full time author, you need to think about money. Yes. So um, you need to you need to if you want to continue doing that because it's so easy to go la 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 la. I'm a full time author this is wonderful, um, but not keep an eye on your money because um, it's it's different when you're not getting a monthly wage. It just it just feels a bit more different. So you know get those excel spreadsheets out again and making sure that you're on track and if you're not what can you do to mm-hmm. continue being a full-time writer it's just a whole new level of kind of stress in a way absolutely it's nice. it's exciting because we've got these wonderful opportunities now on that topic i've i've dipped my toe into independent publishing by getting an audiobook made of the language of spells and i'm i'm going to do some more um it's something I really, really enjoyed having control over a project and also creating another stream of income. Um, Is is independent publishing something you would ever consider? Um, I think it's really exciting. I I have to confess to something. A few years ago, I wrote a little bit of a derogatory post about (laughs) self-publishing, a blog post, because I didn't understand. I did not understand. It It wasn't derogatory. It It was quite polite, actually, but it was kind of like, get self-publishing you know start trying to be traditional published because then you get an advance you've got guaranteed money um and 
but it's complete even back then it was fine but it's completely changed and I'm so eating my words so I'm seeing <laughs> authors who are making a lot of money you know because the diff you know the difference in royalties yeah mm. royalties so it's it's a it's a space I'm watching mm-hmm. um, but I'm I am very busy with my traditional publishing contracts and uh-huh. stuff but I just I've got a different view on it now mm-hmm. um I'm I think it's really exciting I think if I had time, you know, have time, there could be some exciting things I could do. I might be able to, you know, bring, bring to life that shapeshifter romance that published over in Germany. You know, it just I just think there's so many possibilities. Um, and if I want, I need to read up more on it. And I think I'm going to listen to more podcasts about it. Mm-hmm. But definitely, it's in a really exciting avenue. And it's it's at the same level now, I think, as traditional publishing. As mm-hmm. long as you are professional about it, you do all the research you need to do. You, know, you get an editor you do what you can mm. um I, I think p- people are having huge success in that arena um, absolutely it's the next I think it's the next thing I completely agree with you and the reason I like the term independent publishing as opposed to self-publishing is that I do think there's a massive um when I talk about self-publishing I mean doing it professionally as yeah. a business, you hire an editor, you hire a cover designer, you hire your proofreader you put out a professional product. So you're yeah. not doing it all yourself, which is why the self thing is um, is slightly misleading, I think. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with you. We're very lucky to have all these different options. Yeah, and that's the thing. When you work, when you write full time, you have you do have more time to explore and experiment and uh-huh. take risks. And I, I quite I think the, there's some really excited hybrid sort of author models out there where they're doing both. And I think um, as, as long as it's not taken away from your traditional publish, publishing side of well, so that you might have such huge success of self-publishing but you know it's like I think it's just really an exciting avenue um, for, for traditional publishers to explore and certainly shouldn't be dismissed definitely. absolutely and uh, just to finish up uh, what are you working on at the moment or what's next for you so um this week and I can't go into too much detail about it but I'm putting the finishing touches to a really high concept um sort of thriller straight love story um very high concept um and it's actually something that i wrote a while ago as a teen novel um <laughs> but i've rewritten it as an adult novel and i've loved doing that that was a complete passion project so i go on these um retreats every year pretty much called the urban writer retreats with charlie a lady a girl called charlie who's wonderful um and i went away last year and it was a, a week and i just thought i want to do a passion project i want to, i don't want to do anything to do with contracts or anything else i just want to and I just thought about this old book that I've been working on a long time ago. And I thought, I'm going to rewrite that as an adult book. So I'm putting the finishing touches to that. So I'm hoping um, that I'll be sending that to my agent in the next few days, maybe, and seeing what's happening with that. And I've also been writing a synopsis that's more in line with what I do now, like the beach noir stuff. Noir stuff. Mm-hmm. Another good thing about being under contract is that you don't have to write a whole novel to get a deal so- sometimes. So you can write a synopsis. And your publisher can say, yeah, I'd, I'd like to have that. So it saves you having to write the whole novel, but then you have to write the whole novel to contracts. It's quite tough. But yeah, so so that's what I'm working on now. So I'm quite excited about that. I was going to ask you earlier about um, staying creative when it's your job, you know, staying creative over time. And um, when you were just saying about going on that retreat and doing a passion project, I think that's a fantastic tip that, yeah. you know, letting yourself step away from contracted work and just letting yourself play and then obviously yeah. it worked really well because you wrote 
this book that you're really happy about exactly yeah mm. I revised it seven oh. days and I love these retreats because you get all your dinner cooked for you your lunches you get cake o'clock at four o'clock <laughs> that sounds so like just heaven amazing. <laughs> there's no there's no interference so with my life here there's always something going on when you've got a family it's just lots of things new puppy <laughs> I got recently which was a stupid thing to do but she's so cute <laughs> Um, and just lots of things interfering with your life but there it's just writing eating drinking tea and a bit of wine as well and you can it's just I strongly 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 recommend writers retreats they're amazing and what's that one called again um the urban writers retreat uh it's in Devon and it's in a gorgeous house in Devon it's run by a woman called Charlie she's she's amazing everything um and everyone loves it I've had friends go on it on my recommendation and they love it um, but yeah, if you, they get booked up really quickly. There's a way to you Google Urban Writers Retreat, Charlie. Brilliant. I'll have to put that on my wish list. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly, it's, and it's it's a really good price as well because you get all your food included and everything. So yeah, no, that does sound like heaven. But um, thank you so much for your time. Um, where can listeners find out more about you and your books? I'd recommend probably going to my website first. So www.tracybuchanan.co.uk. And from there, you can find my Twitter, Facebook, various other accounts. I, I love listening to uh, sort of hearing from people. So never be afraid to drop me a tweet or put something on my Facebook page or, you know, drop me an email. I'm always, and any advice, I'm happy to give advice as well. So, Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely to speak to you. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks for listening today. For show notes and links, head to worriedwriter.com. If you'd like to connect, find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter or use the hashtag worriedwriter. See you next time.